chapter 4. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 4, and we'll preach a little while. Now, this I had planned originally to put all this in one message, and uh, that's probably not going to happen. I think I have enough here for four messages, maybe five. It is an interesting subject, and one I have thought about for a while, never really preached around or on, but in light of the age we live in, I believe it to be more practical to be preaching along these lines than ever before. I've preached numerous times out of this text, chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, to kind of give you a little background. First in 2 Timothy is what we would call pastoral epistles. First and second Timothy, Titus, and they were letters that the Apostle Paul had written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. It's for all of us, but it was especially targeted to the pastor of this church, and it was kind of giving him some admonition, kind of giving him some warnings to watch out for, and then giving him some commands to do. And it goes along with the Word of God where there in Jude, he said, we need to contend for the faith. That contend implies or infers that it's going to be a struggle, a contention or a contending. It means you're ever pushing forward. And you say, who are we contending against? Well, spiritual wickedness in high places. You've got to understand that there are demonic spirits that will try to influence, try to corrupt. That's what we're teaching on on a Wednesday evening. We're in Matthew chapter 13, and we're looking at the parables on the church there, but how there is corruption. He talks about the, the, the tares that were sown in, the, in the, the field. And then he talks about uh, the leaven that was put in the bread, and that leaven is a type of sin. So he talks about that great coming corruption. So that's what's going on here in Timothy. Timothy being a pastor. Now let's read it. And I'm going to read four verses here out of chapter 4. And he says, Now I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Now we're going to spend some time on that today. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Now here's the focus. For the time will come. So he's talking future tense. I believe us to be in this time. When they will not endure sound doctrine. That's the title of the message. What is sound doctrine? That he says that a growing group of people that the Bible likens to leaven, unbelievers, are those that would be anti-Christ. They would be against Christ, but yet they would be religious and they would want to infiltrate religion or Christianity. What to watch out for. And he says they would be in here. And they said there would a time come they would not endure sound doctrine. And then he says, but after their own lusts. Now lust has to do with emotions. And so they would be given to following their emotions. Lusts. 
boy, I got a real strong emotion over hot fudge cake, you know. <laughs> I get a real strong emotion over pulled pork barbecue or barbecued ribs or smoked ribs. You, you see what I'm saying? That's that emotion. And, and yeah, a lot of times I'm controlled by that emotion. I dealt with that just a little bit last night. See, I think I've gained all the weight back that I'd lost before COVID. I'd went 180 days on a, on a 2,100 calorie diet or something, lost about 25, 30 pounds, got COVID, and then I figured I needed to reward myself for coming through that, and I began to put the feed bag on. You see what I'm saying? You see how this goes. And so it was my sign from God that God likes a plump preacher. He said the fat is the Lord's, uh, and <laughs> even though it will probably be the death of me. And uh, last night I had a real strong emotion uh, we have a problem trying to get good pizza in this area. Uh, I, I don't know what the deal is, but in my opinion, there, there's no good pizza that you can order. Uh, the, about the best you can get if you want to get it fresh is Little Caesars Supreme Pizza. All these other places are not good unless one of you all that's lived here all your life know of a little place that's not much talked about that has awesome pizza. So what we do is I make Jen make homemade pizza and when she makes homemade pizza, she makes homemade pizza. I'm telling you, it's good. And there was some of that left over last night. And so I had a real strong emotion for that pizza. I battled that last night as I was eating my celery sticks. Because celery sticks do not taste like homemade pizza. And mixed nuts definitely don't taste like homemade pizza. It's still in there. So I was not driven or controlled by a lust, at least not last night. It's a day-by-day -day thing. They say food addiction is one of the worst addictions to ever. I love food. I, I, I can smell it. I, I dream about it. You said you was dreaming about fighting and killing. It's generally food for me, but I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm fighting, it's because I'm trying to get first in a buffet line somewhere. <laughs> Oh, boy, we got off track on that emotion. That, he said, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That means things that are not true. And if I've warned you once, I've warned you a number of times, be careful about your internet sensations uh, that call themselves preachers. Now, there are some good preaching on the internet, and there's some good preachers on the YouTube, but be careful with that. You want to follow somebody, you say, I really get bored with you, and you really don't have no awesome YouTube videos. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple on there. Maybe they're not awesome. You could follow Paul Chappell. You could follow Mark Monte. Paul Chapel has podcasts. If you're into podcasts, he is a Bible-believing man that pastors a very large church out in Lancaster, California. I have met him numerous times uh, in person. Wonderful, wonderful person. He will not steer you wrong. If you just got to get somebody out, you want to follow somebody, follow a Bible-believing, uh, a straight preacher. Because you don't want to develop those itching ears and find some. You know how some kind people, they'll think they got a sickness. And so they'll go for the first two or three doctors. And the doctor said, no, there ain't nothing wrong with you. And they just keep searching for that one that'll tickle them and tell them what they want to hear. And say, yeah, you really are a little sick when you really know they're not really sick. But they got to be sick. 
that's kind of the flavor he's got here. People do that with preachers. If a preacher doesn't say what they want to hear, and I want to be able to preach to you what you need, not really what you want to hear, but what you need to help you in your life, to keep you on the straight and narrow, to keep you, to help you grow in Christ so you're not easily deceived. Now, with that said, let's pray and let's ponder this sound doctrine. And maybe today, if God willing, we'll get into that first point on preach the word sound doctrine. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now, we love you. Lord, uh, help us today. And uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ right now that are in our church, that are sick, that are down, they've been exposed. We pray that you be with them and help them and comfort them uh, today. Be with us as we open the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, we want to get onto this sound doctrine. I asked a couple of preachers this week, what is your interpretation of sound doctrine? If I was to ask you, what is sound doctrine? Of course, I've got a number of different answers. The, the smarter one says, well, you should know what that is. You know we would know better than I do uh, <laughs> what that is. And I said, well, I just want to get your knee-jerk reaction to it. If you would begin to uh, uh, answer this question, would you do it textually? Would you do it biblically? Of course, biblically. But I mean, would you, would you be everywhere? Because teaching or preaching on sound doctrine, you could literally go everywhere. And so I wanted to zero this down to this book. What has he said in 2 Timothy to this pastor here that is referring to, because context is everything that he would consider or he covered, that is sound doctrine that he told them or told Pastor Timothy, make sure you preach on this, make sure you uh, teach on this, and you make sure the people abide by this, which made for an interesting study. So sound doctrine, and I believe this is a good question, if you might have had this question. What is this sound doctrine? The word doctrine means teaching. So it would be sound teaching. You, uh, it, maybe you would form a mental picture in your mind uh, when we say sound, uh, uh, sound doctrine. Think of a house foundation. If you're looking at this house to buy, and one of the things you would be curious about and concerned about is, is the foundation sound? We use that word, which when we mean or say sound, we mean solid. Is it uh, in good repair? Is it not falling apart? Is it solid? Is it rational? Uh, is it going to support the weight of the house? And by the way, if it's got a big crack in it and it's a half inch lower or an inch lower than the rest of the foundation, you might have some problems. Matter of fact, not might, you do, okay? And it might need to be addressed depending on its situation. So this question is a good question. I believe sound doctrine, biblically, is likened to what the Bible says, sound words. In Titus chapter 2, about verse 7, which is the next book right over, we won't turn there. He says, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. But verse 8 sound speech, there it is, that cannot be condemned, 
Now here's why. This is one of the definitions of sound doctrine. That he that is of the contrary part. That means not everybody's going to believe what you're saying. Not everybody's going to believe what you're teaching. But if they don't believe, they're not going to be able to say anything bad or contrary biblically against you. He said, so he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, I didn't say he wouldn't talk bad about you, but when you tell him, what is my favorite phrase, church? Chapter and verse. When somebody comes up and says, well, I just don't really believe what you're teaching or preaching there, my first response and my favorite response is chapter and verse. I want to see what, why you disagree. I want to see what verse of the Bible that you're pulling from to say or to make a valid argument against what I have taught or preached. Not that I'm always right. I can always stand to be corrected. Uh, maybe. We all don't know it, know it all. We are all growing. But my favorite reply is chapter and verse. And you'll find out real quick that most of the people that you will deal with will say, well, I can't show that to you in the Bible. I just believe it and I feel it. There's that lust, drawing away of the lust again. But he said they won't be able to take a Bible. If you're preaching sound doctrine, they won't take a Bible and prove you wrong. Now, that's important. That means it's that what you're teaching and your sound doctrine is it cannot be condemned or put down. You can't walk away and say, well, it's just your opinion. It's my opinion, and it's the opinion. It's God's opinion based upon God's written word. I mean, we do have the English language, and we're, we're, today we're so good at playing what we call verbal gymnastics. We're into semantics. We're into words that mean either or. Oh, Dr. Fossey's a master at it, and you know, and I know. Well, you, I, he, they need to name him Teflon Ron is what they need. You can't stick nothing to that dude. He talks in what we call, what do the Indians call that, double tongue, double speak? Absolute forked tongue. And so that's not good. That's called, that's not sound because it can be condemned. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 1 in chapter 1 in verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words. So sound doctrine is sound words. We were talking a little bit about that in the adult Sunday school class. Talking about good old fashioned common sense. It makes sense. Sound words. And he said, you need to hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So it is biblical teaching done in a way that an unbelieving person cannot take the Bible and show you Scripture to the contrary. And again, I said I didn't say they wouldn't believe. Or that they wouldn't believe something contrary, but they could not take the Bible, rightly divide the Bible, and prove to you from Scripture without privately interpreting it or twisting it like Satan does. Now, Satan will use the Bible. Satan quoted Scripture to Jesus, but he pulled it out of its context. He twisted it, uh, but there when he dealt with Eve, he added three little words. Remember? He says... Thou shalt, God had said, thou shalt surely die. Satan's translation of the Bible was thou shalt not. He added three letters, one word, N-O-T, 
surely die. It completely changed the whole meaning. And yes, one word in inserted or taken away can completely change the meaning of the Bible. And that's why it's so important that we have uh, the unadulterated, the preserved Word of God in the AV 1611, the King James. You need to know why you're packing a King James. Because it's the pure Word of God. It's the preserved Word of God. It's the infallible Word of God. Verse, uh, 1 Peter 1.5 1, or 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy... So be holy. Let me back up. Sound doctrine is biblical teaching that not only promotes right living, but sets you on the path of right living to ever bring you, that's the believer, into closer fulfillment of Christ's commands. And I'll give you a scripture on that. The Bible says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So any teaching that does not endorse, promote, or demand right, holy living would be false teaching. So the definition biblically for sound doctrine, that's our word, is right living. So it would be teaching that promotes and endorses right living. And I believe that Paul here addressed some of these doctrines in this second epistle to Timothy, meaning that the opposite view of these doctrines we're going to cover would be wrong doctrines. And the first one that I want to get to today and preach just for a little while, I'm not, going to try, I'm not going to preach this whole thing. I'm going to break it down. The first doctrine we're going to preach about is the first one he talks about in verse 2, preach the word. That is a doctrine. That is a, that is a teaching. What, what, when you come to the house of God, what should be the focus? The Bible already says that Christ should get the preeminence. And it's so important that the preaching of the word, he is commanding the pastor here, and everything that you do, when you all come together, make sure you do some preaching. I get a red flag goes up into my mind. I'm not saying it's I'm right or wrong, but a red flag goes up into my mind immediately when I read somebody's post, we had a wonderful service tonight, no preaching. That goes against everything in me as I view the Word of God in light of this verse where he says, Sound doctrine, preach the Word. I'm real scared when somebody's bragging about they had such a great service and there was absolutely zero preaching. That's scary. That's scary. Because God says, when I show up, when I move in, I have already chosen the foolishness of preaching. Wow. So my mind begins to go through all the verses where God said, I've chose preaching. It was Jesus. What did Jesus do? He preached. 
I love to sing. I love special music. But that's not the focus of the ministry. That's not the focus of the church. And we love our singing. We love to testify and to praise. And it is a part of it. But it's not the only part. It's not the most important part. The important part is to preach because he says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he's commanding this pastor, You make sure you preach. Preach the book. That's the incorruptible seed. That's the 1611, the AV 1611, the King James. Let me give you this. I wrote this down so I'll read it. How can a preacher preach God's incorruptible word if he does not believe that we have the incorruptible word today? These preachers that say, well, I don't know which Bible. I just use any and all Bibles. Uh, None of them. They're not the originals. Only the Word of God was inspired in the originals. Why are you even in a pulpit? How can you preach the Word when you don't know where the Word is? And by the way, nobody's seen an original. And that's a fact. They don't want to tell you that. They don't ever, when they teach on that, they don't ever want you to know about that. They don't want you to know about the 5,000 manuscripts that we would call uh, copies of coffees that all agree with the 1611. There's only two manuscripts that all these other Bible perversions come out of, and that's the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, and a couple others, but they're all sub-copies off of those two. They don't want to tell you that. How can a preacher get up and tell you that he's preaching the sure word of God when he doesn't know where to go to get it? Straight up, not sound doctrine. How can he preach a sure word if he doesn't have the sure word is what I'm saying. I mean, this is the stuff that you should think about when you hear some of these clowns. And I'm calling them clowns uh, uh, because God called them uh, (laughs) hypocrites and clowns. Uh, He didn't use the word clown, but that's that's a modernized version. You like modern translations. (laughs) Here's one. And I'm, I'm hard on preachers because we're responsible for so many souls. And we're seeing, and I was telling and sharing this with the adult Sunday school class, it's one thing to have wisdom, it's another thing to have knowledge, but you better pray for some understanding. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, not a vegetable. Wisdom is having enough sense not to put it in your fruit salad. But understanding is knowing why you wouldn't. Yeah. That's a big one. Sometimes people have a little knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. Sometimes they got a little wisdom that goes with the knowledge, and they look cool, but they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. The Bible says we need to preach the book. Preach the incorruptible Word of God. So he says, how do you preach this book? He answers it here in that very verse. Preach the Word, be instant... In season and out of season. You say, what does that mean? Well, that means instant. You ever heard of instant milk? (laughs) You can just make it up on the fly even if you don't have it. That means there's going to be times uh, when it's conducive to preach and it's going to be cool because there's a lot of energy and boy people are excited and people are cool and you're just going to get up there and be able to preach. But then there's going to be times when the crowd ain't full of energy. 
or it might not be a good crowd. It might be a hostile crowd or it might not be popular and you're going to have to preach anyway. Like today, I, I can read the energy in the room. Uh, it's a down energy today. Now, that could be because of maybe I'm a little lower energy, but I don't think so. I think I've been here long enough. I can read you. Uh, we've all had a pretty rough week this week. We've had a very demanding week mentally. We've had a demanding week physically. We're dealing with things that are kind of falling apart, maintenance-related issues, so on and so forth. And so we're dragging in because we know we've got to face another week. And the preacher already wants you back tonight, and I'm already put a monkey wrench in your relaxed time. Got it. Trust me, the older I get, <laughs> I do not like my schedule messed with at all. I, I always made fun of Dad, when that, my old pappy, uh, when, when, when we'd change the schedule. Because the younger you are, doesn't matter, you roll with it. Not when you get older. Not when you get in your 50s. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Coffee is at six. Jenny gets the first cup. We drink coffee. We see who we are on Facebook. <laughs> we read our Bibles. We talk. I'm not going to tell you everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we have a routine. We've been married 31 years. And then I'll get the second cup. If I get a phone call... If I got to be rushed out the door and I don't get to do my morning routine, I got a bad day. Because after that, I like to go for a run. <laughs> it's a walk. <laughs> yeah, sounds good though. Preacher going for, I go for a run. And Jenny has bought me these. Uh, Running pants? Not the ones you're thinking of, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. No, 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 no. It, it, it's, it's very modest, but they're very lightweight. I got to figuring out if I want to be able to get two miles in, I better get rid of the blue jeans. You know, they weigh about five, ten pounds. Uh, and I got them suspenders, and then I kept thinking, man, why are my shoulders hurting so bad? Of course, Jenny filled me in on some of that stuff I didn't know about. I won't get into that. But then I get back. I take a shower, and I'm ready to face the day as Superman. If anything interrupts that, it's bad, isn't it? Well, he's telling us how here. He says, in season, out of season, you got to be ready. That means you got to be able to preach at the drop of the hat, and sometimes you got to drop your own hat and preach. But here he says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. It's a formula. I was talking about formulas a little bit this morning in Sunday school class. He says, preach two negative messages to one positive. Did you see that? This is a Bible formula. So you say, okay, so sound doctrine, if I'm going to be sound and make common sense and obey God, the pastor is more than likely to preach two negatives for one positive. That's right. We're not all beautiful. 
I wanted to make sure you understood that today. <laughs> According to the Bible, we're dirty, rotten sinners. <laughs> and thank God that we're saved by grace if you've received Christ. Amen. That's the only thing good in us is God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, living down on the inside. But he says you preach two negatives. Reprove. That means to correct wrong thinking with Scripture. Not all the time our thinking's right. So he says, correct it with Scripture, but it's done in a gentle manner. That's what reprove means. That could be a teaching session. I do a lot of teaching. And in a teaching session, I'm not quite dynamic like I am. I'm a lot more calm. I'm a lot more gentle. I don't use the word stupid too much or clown. And I'll take the Bible and methodically work my way through Scripture, proving to you the precepts of Christ. And by the way, uh, we're getting ready to start our membership classes. If you're interested in membership, the adult Sunday school class at 930, if you want to know what does this church believe, what does it stand on, and what is its vision, those classes would be for you. That's called reproving. But then he says, you rebuke. That means to criticize sharply. That means, you know what a rebuke is. I've done some of that around here in, in these years. You know how generally people respond to that? They throw a little temper tantrum like their toddler does and march out. They don't want to be rebuked. The Bible says, well, that's because there's a time coming when they won't want to be rebuked and they'll walk out the revolving doors back there and after 10 years being here, I say, hideo sayonara. Because I don't do drama well. I'm not a drama king. I'm more black and white. I'm more simple. And you can say, well, you're simple-minded. That's great. It's what works for me. I like it like that. Two cups of coffee, go for a run, come back, get a shower, then I study. Thursdays I mow. If it's going to rain Thursdays, I mow Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Friday. Don't interrupt that. It's just the way it is. It's sound. Rebuke. It's more stern. More than likely involves maybe a loud voice, <laughs> like I am to, today during the preaching. Sometimes you rebuke through the preaching. But then he says exhort. Now that means to encourage, to press, to urge with the word of God. Verse 16 in chapter 3. Look with me here. All scripture, because he says preach the word, is given by inspiration of God. And let me throw this in here because I've been on the word of God and do we have it? Read that again. All Scripture is, I-S, not was. Did you see that? Now, the next time somebody comes up to you that is a theologian with a bunch of little deals behind their name and tries to tell you, well, we only have the preserved Word of God in the originals. It was. That's directly, that's in the originals, and he says it is given. How many times does God got to breathe life into something for it to stay life alive? That breaks your type. We're eternally secure. But he says, all Scripture is given. That means present tense. It still is preserved and inspired today as it was the day he did it. Amen. He says, but it says, and is profitable. It means it's good for doctrine. Now, let me break this down. Doctrine is what is right. 
He says, but it's also profitable for reproof. That's what is wrong. But then he don't stop there. A lot of preachers will stop there. And, and, and again, I'm a preacher. I know preachers. That's why I'm all the time saying that. I'm not calling down fire. I'm not naming names. I'm just telling you, we deal with this stuff. And God showed this to me last year, the year before. He says, but it's also profitable for correction. You want to know what that is? That's how to get it right. It's one thing to tell people what is right. It's another thing to tell them they need to get right. But our job don't stop there as pastors. Because sometimes people are going to come to you, or at least they should, they shouldn't be afraid to, and say, how do I get it right? Well, that's that correction. A lot of pastors leave that out. And they say, well, I don't know. When you go get it figured out, when you get it right, come back when you're perfect. I don't want to fool with you right now. By the way, church is for sick people. Church is for sinners. It's for people that are hurting, that don't know, or, or that might need help. And so you've got to be able to give them correction how to get it right. You could put counseling in this. But then he says, for instruction in righteousness, that's how to keep it right. Oh, boy. See, that's what he means when he says, to preach the book. What is preaching? It's to exalt the greatness of God. That's exhorting. It's to proclaim the gospel. That's evangelism. It's to promote the grace of God. That's encouragement. It's preaching that prompts or promotes the growth in Christ. That's edification, sanctification. And this is practical preaching. And why? Why is this so important? Let me give you a couple things. We'll be done. It's the way God chose to spread the gospel. He said He chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. The world don't like preaching. The lost don't crave preaching. The devil hates preaching. The devil's children hate preaching. But God said, it's what I've chose. Means this is God's world, that's what we do. It is the way that we share the facts of the gospel. That's why we preach. And that's why it's important. Faith, the Bible says, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And because, why is preaching so important? And he commands Timothy to make sure you preach the word it's because of the burden God gave us as preachers to give an answer to every man that would ask of the faith that is within us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And because it is relative to the soul of the hearer to bring about conviction. Let me end there because it's preaching that brings conviction Take your Bible to Acts chapter 2, and we'll close with this this morning. Boy, aren't you glad I decided not to preach all four or five points? Because it's been 35, 40 minutes. You say, yeah, I know. <laughs> I hope that's not been the case. But I'm glad. And my father, my old pappy, told me, he said, yeah, might, that might be a series there, son. And I'm glad he mentioned that, because 
as I told Jen yesterday, if I was going to preach all this, I had to hit the ground running, meaning I'd have to be able to speak more than 200 words a minute and keep rolling. I don't like to do it like that. I like to be down around 120 words a minute. Why? So I can move slow enough that we can absorb, comprehend, and maybe gain some understanding. Now, preaching's important because it brings about conviction. Look here, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter preaches a very powerful message. Here's what happens when they said, they ask a question. Now, when they heard this, what did they hear? Preaching. They were pricked in their hearts. That's conviction. It's like a pricking in the heart. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, they were coming for correction. How do we get this right? We have killed the Messiah. We have rejected Jesus. He we, we, we put our vote in to have him crucified on the cross. He died, and we thought we were doing the right thing. He was buried, and he rose again. And there was over 500 people that had seen him, and they were in this crowd. And Peter had seen Christ after he had rose from the dead bodily, not spiritually, bodily. And he says, that was your Messiah. And he preached such a powerful message that it brought that conviction. That's why we must preach the word. And they said, what, what do we do? What do we do? They were moved. You know, I understand music can move us. And maybe there's been people saved through a good song. I, again, I'm, but when it comes to God choosing, God chose... God chose the foolishness of preaching. And it's so very important to bring about conviction. Without conviction, the sinner cannot be converted because they have no reason to accept Christ. They have no reason to believe that they're dead in trespasses and sin. And only the preaching of the Word of God will enlighten them to the truth. Let's all stand this morning. I pray that you're born again. If you're not, you can come to me this morning. I'll get a song of invitation.